Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Luke chapter 8, as we're going to look at verses 40 to 55 here. I'm going to read this, and we begin a new sermon series today on healthy, and uh, just want to read this to kick us off. Luke 8, verses 40 to 55 beautiful story. It says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they had all were expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up to behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at Jesus' feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, saying, Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand, and he said, My child, get up. And her spirit returned. And at once she stood up, and then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. In Exodus 15.34, God tells his people, I am the Lord who heals you. The one who heals you. In our scripture for today, we see this. Jesus heals a woman who it said no doctor was able to cure. He was able. One touch of Jesus and the woman's condition completely changed. Her bleeding stopped and she was well. She who was unclean all of a sudden was clean because of Christ. Then after healing her, Jesus immediately goes to a home where a family had just lost a child. The daughter had been sick and had just now died and was still laying in her bed and everyone was crying outside and inside the house and Jesus came. And people began to tell Jesus to go home because there was nothing more that he could do for her now. She was already dead. But Jesus doesn't leave. He stays because there was something he was still able to do. For nothing is impossible with God. 
And so despite their lack of faith, Jesus walked into that house and he went up to her room and he took her by the hand, her lifeless hand, and he spoke, my child, get up. And at that word, this little girl who was dead became alive again. Life re-entered her body. All that had been taken from her, Jesus gave back. Her spirit returned and she stood up. Some of the most beautiful stories of Jesus and some of my favorite are those where Jesus heals people. I think of the paralyzed man on the mat who was stuck for 38 years looking for a miracle in all the wrong places. But Jesus came to him. He didn't go looking for Jesus, but Jesus came looking for him. And the Lord asked him if he wanted to be well. And then he said to him, then take my hand, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the man did. I think of another crippled man whose friends loved him so much that they carried him to Jesus because they believed that if they just got him to Jesus, Jesus could heal him. And so by faith, they carried him all the way to Jesus. But there were crowds that were so great that blocked them. But that didn't stop them. They climbed up upon the roof where Jesus was speaking inside, and they lowered their friend down through the roof to where Jesus was. And when Jesus saw their faith, he healed their friend, both inside and out. He said to him, My son, your sins are forgiven. And then he said, Now get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I think of the blind man who was suddenly able to see. The world had only ever been dark for him, but now, because of Jesus, he could see the light of day. I think of the demon-possessed man who was all locked up in chains and cutting himself and hating himself and tormented all alone. No one really saw him or knew what to do for him, but God did. Jesus knew exactly where to find him. Jesus even crossed the sea to get to him, and Jesus spoke the word and had the authority, and the demons were cast out, and the man was free, and suddenly in his right mind, and it says wanting to follow Jesus and tell everybody he could what the Lord had done for him. I think of the leper who came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, I know you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. And in an instant, all of the man's sores were healed and the leprosy was gone. And the man was able to now go back to his family and back to worship again. The Lord had healed him and restored him in his life. Exodus 15.34, it says, I am the Lord who heals you. The greatest healing that has ever happened, we read about, happened on the cross. It was a healing for every one of us. Isaiah 53, 5 says that our Lord was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And it says, by his wounds, we are healed. Healed. How? We are healed when by faith we come to him and put our faith in him and who he is and what he did for us upon that cross. We are healed in that moment of all of our sin and the consequences of that sin, death and separation from God. We were dead in our sins, but upon that cross, Jesus healed that most important part of us, 
we are made alive again and we're able to know God and walk with God and live for God and love God and serve God now. No longer are we a slave to sin, but we are a child of God with peace and hope for tomorrow. And that fear in our heart has been replaced by his love. It is a healing when we come and receive from him. One of my favorite movie scenes of all time is in the movie Ben-Hur. This really long and old movie starring Charlton Heston is set in the time of Jesus. The movie follows this man, Ben-Hur, and his painful life. The movie starts out and the man is so successful and life is grand, but one day everything seems to fall apart for him. His friend betrays him. He's falsely accused of what he didn't do. He's taken away from his family and home and locked up in prison for years. Uh, his mother and sister are locked up too, where they get sick with leprosy and, and he thinks they are dead. It is all this nightmare. He then is taken away and forced to be a slave in a slave boat for Rome and decade passes and and all of it made him hardened and full of hate. But the Lord kept showing up in his life at different times, showing him kindness in this time of suffering. A cup of water, but he didn't know that it was him. An enemy turned a friend, saving him from a sinking ship. Favor after favor, God was faithful and at work in this man's life, watching over him, but he didn't realize it was the Lord. And eventually Ben-Hur was freed. But inside, he was still a mess on a self-destructive course of revenge. Well, my favorite scene comes at the end of the movie with just a final few minutes left. And that's when Ben-Hur meets Jesus and realizes it was him the whole time in his life. And he listens to the teachings of Jesus about loving your enemies and doing good to those who hate you and about forgiveness. And it's, and it's all you can tell, just piercing his heart, changing him. But the true moment of change happened as he watched Jesus arrested. Ben-Hur was right there in the background as the Lord is condemned and made to carry a cross. And Ben-Hur is watching the whole thing watching Jesus face this suffering. And there's something about Jesus that he couldn't get over. In the man's suffering, there wasn't despair, but he saw peace and forgiveness and love even in that moment. Even as he was nailed to the cross, Jesus surrendered and praying for the people. And, and you could see it on the face of Ben-Hur. He's changing. Healing is happening as he's watching Christ. And then when Jesus died on the cross, the sky turned dark and the thunder roared and the rains began to fall and the blood flowed and the camera shows this. The blood flowed down that cross to the cracks and crevices of the ground and started going forth like rivers of life. And it was like healing going out into the nations. And in that moment, this man finds healing in his heart and salvation and at that same time his mother and sister in a leprosy camp the rains fall on them and they they're not afraid anymore of death and suddenly you can see the sores on their skin clothes and leprosy begins to heal and they're suddenly made well and where there had only been for this family 
Throughout the whole movie, tears of sorrow and despair. There were now tears of joy and faith and hope and life. And in the final five minutes of this movie, you realize what the whole movie has been about. <laughs> this moment. Not been her, but Jesus. And who he is and what he alone is able to do in each of us. Exodus 15.34 says, I am the Lord who heals you. I always pray and ask God to guide me in what he wants me to preach about. And, and over the last couple of months, it has been this. I mean, I just really feel the Lord wanting me to talk about how he is the healer and how he wants to make us healthy. We hear a lot about mental health and spiritual health and physical health, and you can Google many articles about what to do to be healthy. There are a million self-help books out there you can order, and, and they may have some good advice in them. And, and I know that at the start of every new year, everyone renews their membership to the gym and sets goals to get healthier, and I do too. I, I think that's okay. But I just kept coming back to this verse in Exodus. I am the Lord who heals you. And I kept thinking, he is. This truth has just stayed in my, my mind that, that our health comes from the Lord. Not to say that I don't need to exercise or diet or take an aspirin or allergy pill or even go see a counselor, I may, or read a book on parenting that might really help or attend a marriage retreat. I am <laughs> next month and I'll be taking notes. That's all good. But I'm just saying at the start of this year, I really feel with all my heart, God saying that it's Christ who we really all need. That Christ alone can heal us and the people that we love and are praying for, that he alone can reach and touch the hearts and restore the minds and guide the steps and show us exactly what we need to do. He knows that only he can truly heal us and make us into the people we are called to be. He alone is God. And what I most need to be healthier as a man and a husband and a father and a pastor and, and just a child of God in this world today where there are so many idols and and, and so many lies and temptations and trials. It is Jesus that I desperately need. He is my hope, my life. Like he healed all those people in the scriptures, he wants to heal and help us. He is the Lord who heals us. If I were honest with you today, which I always try to be, maybe even to a fault, but I told Carrie the other day, I don't think I'm the healthiest I've been. During the week, I can be far too moody and far too many worries steal far too many moments in my life. And I can ruin things by being irritable and impatient and just downright rude and say things that I instantly regret to the people that I love. It, at times, I'm looking at the tree that is me and I'm not always liking the fruit that I see. <laughs> You know, at times the good fruit of the Spirit is a little lacking here. And I, I don't think I'm falling apart by any means. God has got me and I love him and I haven't lost my faith. And I, so I don't want you to worry. <laughs> I live in the wonderful grace and love of God every day and I am thankful. But we all kind of know, don't we? 
when we're not feeling our best or doing our best. We all know how Jesus has to be first in our life or everything else is affected. For if we abide in him, we'll bear fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And if the healthy fruit of the Spirit, patience, gentleness, self-control, love, peace is lacking, we know it. Just like as I age in this ever-aging body, I realize I got to be more disciplined in diet and exercise, or I just don't feel right or have the energy. So too I'm learning our walk with Christ is the same. Our faith is the same. We need thee every hour, every day. Like anyone, I need to call on the name of the Lord. I need to be in a person of prayer every day. I need to be in his word regularly. I need to be around other believers and feel the encouragement of the, from the Lord from them. I, I need my small group and men's group. I need the songs of worship each week to lift my eyes to the heavens and magnify the name of the Lord instead of my fears. I need the, that reset. I need to remember he is over all. I need the rest of Sabbath and stillness and solitude to be alone with, with my God and remember he's in control. I need the practice of loving and serving others and generosity to overcome the temptations that are always there of greed and selfishness that want to take over. I need the practice of gratitude to just see the good things in life and not just the problems. These spiritual habits and practices and disciplines that God has given us are there to help us have a healthier life in God. There's a reason the Bible teaches us to do these particular things, to make them a part of our life, because we need them. For they are his means of grace, of touching and healing our heart and our mind and shaping and restoring us back to the people that we were meant to be, keeping us in step with him and his will. When we stop practicing our faith, we begin to fall away from our faith and into an unhealthy life. And so over the next seven weeks, I want to speak about getting healthy and the spiritual practices that God gives us that are like medicine and exercise for our soul that build us a spiritual muscle and perseverance and good fruit that, that heals us, restores us. This morning, I want to just give you three verses to think about and take home. And, and you can write these verses down if you want to and, and read them during the week. But I, I wanted to start with these three verses because I think they are the beginning of the journey towards greater health. And so listen to these three verses and, and what they really teach us. The first verse is Psalm 139, 23 and 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What a great verse. This is where it, it must begin, with being honest before God and letting him like a doctor examine us and reveal the truth of what he finds in us. The fears, the sins, the heart, even the good stuff that's there. Search me, O oh God. This is the first step to a healthier, more Christ-centered and God-honoring life. If this is what we seek, we have to come to the Lord and ask him to reveal to us what's really in us what we really need to hear, 
We have to have an open heart and say, search me, O God. I'm not going to hide from you. Know my heart. Know my anxious hearts. See if there's some offensive way in me and lead me. I put my life in your hands. I love this verse. It comes at the end of Psalm 139, which is written by David, who begins the psalm by saying, God, you already know everything about me. When I sit and when I rise, the thoughts before I even speak them, God, you're all knowing. <laughs> you know, he says in the psalm, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I travel to the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and hold me tight. David is saying, you're all knowing and you're all present in my life. David then continues in the psalm by saying, What's more is you created me, you knit me together in my mother's womb, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one even came to be. In other words, you know me better than I know myself, and you are the God who made me, and you're over all of my days. This psalm is about the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God who made us and loves us and is present with us right now. And so David says, after all of this, he then ends Psalm 139 with these two final verses, which I leave with you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's some offensive way in me, any sin, any fear, any strongholds in my life, any idols, any addictions, any bad habits that I've gotten into, any lies I've been believing, and lead me, God in the way everlasting. David is getting on the surgical table. This is where healing begins, with honesty and truth and humility before a loving God and an all-knowing God whom we can trust, who is able to heal us. There is a prayer called the prayer of examine. I learned about it in seminary. It's just a time of prayer that happens at the end of our day, before we go to bed. It's taking maybe 10 to 15 minutes alone with God before we go to sleep. And it is examining our day, looking back on our day with God, from getting up to starting to worry before we were even dressed, and then getting upset with our kids, which we now can see was just because we were stressed and anxious, and then rushing off to work without any breakfast or prayer or kissing our wife goodbye. It's examining our day, really looking upon it. It's thinking about where we saw God at work in our day. Maybe we had conversation with someone that we were able to help and God was in that. Maybe we heard a verse on Christian radio and it really spoke to us. Oh God, where did we see God that day? In that prayer time, you see, just before bed, we're examining our day. We're thinking back and asking God to show us how he was with us today, how he helped us and provided for us today. Maybe even brought a friend at the right time or a word that encouraged us or just something in our devotions or whatever. Where did we see God in our day? Where are we thankful for something in our day? Count our blessings. And then the final part of the prayer of examine is just thinking where we weren't our best today. Where did we lose our temper with our wife or impatient with our kids? Or where did we feel anxiety that day and why? Where maybe were we even jealous or rude? And what triggered it? And in that time of prayer, you see right before bed, we ask God for clarity and forgiveness and also help for the next day. I tell you, prayer works. And I see that's what David is doing in Psalm 139. He's looking back and reflecting upon his life and his day, and he's seeing that God has never left his side, and he's asking God to make known to him what's really in his heart and his fears and good and bad, and if there's any offensive way, and to lead him the next day, tomorrow, in the way of everlasting. It is 
uh, with God in prayer, grace and truth, examine who I really am, Lord. And I encourage you to do this, to end your day with prayer and in particularly thinking back on your day and asking God to search your heart, know your thoughts, and lead you. This is where healing begins, with truth and grace before God. But the second verse I wanted to leave you with today is Second Chronicles 7.14, where it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their ways, wicked ways, I will then hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The first verse was about letting God examine our heart. Well, this verse is about then letting him heal it, turning it over to God turning over that sin that he finds there, repenting of it, asking for his forgiveness, and turning away from it. To heal, you have to change. Again, the point I'm trying to make here is no healing can begin without the Lord, turning to the one who has the power to heal us and letting him reveal what's really there in our heart and our life, and then seeking him and turning away from those things that aren't good for us, that sin that is against God that will destroy our life. Uh, for the verse says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn, then I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Sometimes the pain or lack of peace we're living with or the brokenness in our home is because there is sin in our life and it isn't helping things. It's destroying things. And if we have accepted it or trying to justify it, or maybe we don't even realize it is sin, but we've turned away from God and we've got to repent of that. Leave that sin. Turn back to God and he will restore us. Until we do, we are choosing that other thing over him and any idol will let us down and take us down. This verse in Second Chronicles comes right after Solomon builds that first temple. God was saying, this temple that you built for me is nice and all, but I'm most interested in your heart. If you will humble yourself and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, I will forgive you and heal your land. I can't help but think about that holy land today. It's, it's not very holy. It is a war-torn land. I have loved going there to Israel. I love the people, but my heart breaks for them. It will continue to be a land of no peace until the people humble themselves and come back to God and turn from their wickedness. Then and only then will they know the peace of God and healing come upon their land. And this is the same for us, not just them. The healing in our relationships, in our country, in our homes, in our hearts, it can only happen when we humbly seek the Lord each day, desire to please Him first, and turn away from our sin. We can't keep down the road of sin and expect blessing. We have to make the decision to let the surgeon take out of us that which is making us sick. We have to leave that sin and attitude and unforgiveness that is poisoning our heart and our marriage. We have to let the addictions go. We have to humbly admit we have a problem and ask our friends to help us and pray for us. We have to admit the sin, justify it no longer. We have to do the hard work like Jesus said. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus said it'd be better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole life and soul to be thrown into hell. It's a radical Jesus, uh, uh, teaching here that Jesus is giving. What he's really saying is he's talking about spiritual surgery. 
like a surgeon saying to someone, you got cancer, and if you don't let me go in there and take it out, it's going to take you out. So don't play around with this thing you think is no big deal. James 1, 14 and 15 says, Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after that desire uh, conceives, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. All sin leads to the destroying of the things that God wants to do in your life. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life to the full. So my only point in all of this is to say is that as the Lord reveals to us the truth of our heart and the offensive ways in us, we have to then ask forgiveness for those things and turn away from those things to truly find healing. And then the last verse I want to leave you with today is Mark 135, where it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And this is all part of this first lesson of how, how healing comes from the Lord. It begins when we search, uh, uh, asking God to search our heart and examine our ways. And then, and then it happens when we repent of our sin and leave our sin. And then it, it's, we continue to get that healing and live in that healing when every day we set apart time to be with our God. Jesus practiced this way. Uh, not just in this verse, but it says in other places that this was his custom to get up early, go off, and be alone with the Father in prayer. Jesus is showing us the way to live, the way to have a healthier walk with God. It begins uh, with prayer and it ends with prayer. I, I ask you, if our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ needed alone time with the Father every day, then surely we do, Right? I mean, your faith will fade and not grow if you're just attending once a week a church service. We were created to be with God every day. We need him every day to live and walk with him. And, and thanks be to God, we're able to do that in Christ. Let us not neglect this gift that we have been given of being able to do life with God, but let us take time for it. I pray each morning because I must. I pray and spend time with my God in his word because I need to. Because it's like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Just like my marriage needs time together with Carrie or we're going to grow apart, so too my time with God is important or I begin to drift. My joy and peace and hope comes from time spent with him. I need time alone with my father every day if I'm to be the person he's wanting me to be. He's got the answers and within him is the power and the strength. In this last verse, you see it comes after Jesus has spent the whole previous day healing people from sunup to sundown. The next morning, Peter goes looking for Jesus because everyone's starting to line up again for him. And sometimes it feels like you can't get away, but Jesus, even though people were lining up, Jesus stopped and he went away to be with the Father. He knew that if he didn't, he wouldn't be good for anybody. Jesus was healing people and teaching people, but even he needed to step away for a moment to have his cup filled or it becomes empty. And so early in the morning when everybody else was sleeping, Jesus got up early to fill his cup, to receive the game plan from the Father for that day and what he should do. How do we have strength to do 
what God wants us to do for that day if we don't first receive that strength from him in prayer? How do we even know what is the best thing for us to do with our day unless we step away and ask and listen to what he is saying and where he is guiding? It's interesting when Peter finds Jesus in that time of prayer, Jesus tells him, okay, let's go to the next village to preach there because that's why I came. After spending time with the Father in the morning, Jesus was refreshed and clear about his direction for that day. Exodus 15, 34. I am the Lord who heals you. That's what we need. A healthier life in Christ begins when we humbly seek him. Like Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's some offensive way in me and lead me to that way everlasting. A prayer of examine each night can help you do this. And time alone in the morning with God, like Jesus' practice, can give you strength and focus for your day. And then turning from our sin is essential. Repenting and asking for his forgiveness and help to leave that, those bad habits is also key to really becoming healthy in Christ again. I am always praying, it seems, through the day. But I think these two set times of in the morning when I rise and in the evening when I lay down for rest, the practice of these disciplines really helps me have a walk that is healthier in Christ. I'm going to be more committed to doing that, and I pray you would too. Let's see what God does and how he heals us in that. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.